All right, welcome back to Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show right here on ESPN.com, Tucson, ESPN Tucson, and 1490 AM on your dial, 104.9 FM on your dial. I'm Jerry Simmons, your host. Today I have special guest Mike Parker from Parker Automotive Service Center, 5101 East Speedway. This portion of the show is brought to you by Spectrum Ina Road Auto Collision. Uh, Javier over there, 4425 West Ina Road. They're behind Jiffy Lube in a car wash. 744-4454. 744-4454. They do just about anything you want done to the exterior of a car. You you need a paint job because it's blistering up? Spectrum Minor Road Auto Collision can handle that. You have a damage. You have the misfortune of crashing out on the freeway or crashing in Tucson. You have that car picked up by Frontier Towing at 748-1100, having delivered over to Javier's place at Spectrum Ina Road Auto Collision. And all you'll need is a claim number, uh, and Javier will take it from there because you can't smack a plastic car in the fender and think, oh, it's just a little wrinkle in the fender. Everything on those fenders in the inner fender wheels are held together by plastic Retainers, plastic and UVs produced by the sunlight in Tucson do not get along very well. They will snap. You can take something that looks like a, just a little, just a little fender bender, and all of a sudden you've got everything on the inside is shifted, and everything is hanging on by one or two snaps, or it's already broken completely off, and now all of that stuff has to be put back together. They do the pictures. They do the the dealing with the insurance companies to show them exactly what you've got after they get in there and inspect it. It's just like search and rescue. We can't fix it until we find it. So, And that is the same thing with the automotive industry. You can't fix it until you can find it. That's the reason test first, don't guess. Uh, you can go to Google and find out how to do a lot of things. In fact, I went to Google one time just to see how many different answers I could get on one question I had. I uh, got eight. And so, and only two of them were even close. And that's at one, I used a real life thing that we had already checked out. And then I put it out on the lines to see what the potentials were. And I had two out of eight that actually responded back. It got into the ballpark on it. So get it. Checked out. Test first, don't guess. All right, let's go on with the show. Um, Mike, on uh, the uh, – oh, crap. I forgot what I was going to say. No, I didn't. I got it written down here. Where are we at here? Um, all right, back back to general maintenance and on brakes and brake fluids, brake fluid changes. Are you one of these? Uh, no, transmission fluid. That's what I was going to hit on. Transmission. Uh, I bring I bring my truck into your shop and you say, <coughs> Jerry, the transmission fluid is really dirty. I don't recommend you change it. 
because it could cause problem with your transmission. How do you respond to that? Baloney. What's, what's your? <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I. Uh, yeah. We. I've 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 never had one of those. I mean, we we've, we've been doing this for twenty five years plus. I've been doing fluid exchanges ever since. Um, I believed in the BG products back even at the dealership. Um, Absolutely. And uh, that I was working at, we didn't do a little, we didn't do fluid exchanges, but we did do quite a bit of their products um, for drivability and whatnot. And then as when I went ahead and went into business myself, I started looking into this for the same reason as a lot of technicians and people are interested in what's why does it go bad? What's making it do this? And the old drain and fill in the transmissions that we were all taught back in the Honda days and Acura mm-hmm. days, um, that just didn't make sense. It's kind of like, you know, having a, a cup of coffee, pour half of it out and put half of it back with water. It's great. So, but you still didn't make the cup clean with water. You have it half and half or three quarters of it with dirty oil in it. So that, I didn't understand how they expected anything to last that long. And that, that was per Honda. We were talking the hour before about how I had a gentleman that we did a tranny food exchanges at 30,000. Every 30,000, we did it on that transmission. And he had over 240,000 miles on that transmission before it went away. We've replaced mm-hmm. it with the good quality we built one. Um, went ahead and did the same thing, still driving the van. I believe it has a little over 250,000, 60,000 miles on it today. Uh, he yeah. keeps it around the house for just in case relatives from back east come in during the holidays. They can borrow it to one of the relatives or pick everybody up at the airport. And like you said, I, mm-hmm. it's like having a child. I'm not going to kill it totally out of the house yet. So he said he keeps it around. But that was some of the stuff that we talked about, about how you know, it actually extend the life of that part because you are taking the dirty, uh, sulfated uh, materials, burnt, um, depleted uh, fluids because of the heat, the friction that's going on. When you're talking transmissions, it's all off of pressures. Some of the line pressures, as we all know, some of those line pressures uh, in the transmission that make those shifts like you were talking about earlier, that 10-speed transmission, you're talking 1,800 PSI in a little tiny tube in order for that to shift to the next gear and the next gear and the next gear and then downshift, bomb, bomb, bomb. And all the friction going on in those clutch packs because that's how it works. It, you pressurize the clutch pack, and when it catches, it pushes the plate together, turns the shaft. That's what makes the next shift go up. So um, theoretically, yeah, I don't know where these people are coming off to where, oh, yeah, it's lifetime fluids. I, I've seen it, too. We've had uh, Lexus in a while back that had the same setup. And we show the customers, like, oh, yeah, yeah, let's go ahead and, and change it. There's no way that thing's going to last that long. You go to the dealership? No, you don't have to do anything to it. So um, it's great if you're going to go ahead and get rid of your car every five, six, seven years. You know, I, I guess that's kind of what I think they're working on is they're going to try to sell you another car instead of keeping your stuff. And Jerry and I are probably the old school guys is why not fix what you already have? If you still like it, it's still driving well, it looks great, it's doing all your stuff that you want it to do, why not keep it running? So Absolutely. That's, some longevity. So, I'd say, uh, like I my, said my my thought on the uh now I've had this conversation with transmission shops because I you know I know I've been around a long time so I know most of the guys in the transmission industry but I'll call them in and say oh no if you flush that thing you're going to you can you can create more problems and then the customers going to be screaming and hollering no 
If I wanted bad transmission fluid, worn out, dirty transmission fluid, I'd have ordered it from a manufacturer with that in it. If it didn't come that way, it's not supposed to be that way. To me, that's just a common sense approach. And, you know, and I, I, I've got a 68 Mustang with a C4 in it. Uh, evidently, the people that uh, my brother bought it from or picked it up for me on the East Coast, they, it had 61,000 miles. The engine had, as my, as Wade said over at the shop, it probably had the oil changed about twice in 61,000 miles. And it showed it. He pulled the valve cover off of it. His next step was pull the motor out and send it to a machine shop and have it cleaned up and rebuilt. And he did that. And I'm looking at the transmission. I said, well, you got a bunch of leaks in the transmission. I said, yeah, probably does. And I said, the fluid's probably dirty too. Yep, fluid's horrible. So I said, okay, this this is a test vehicle for me. I don't drive it every day. I've got a backup. I've got a couple of backups, actually. And I want you guys to take it back in the machine shop. And I want you to reseal the transmission. And they got in, they had to replace a shift module. That's the only thing that Wade said, no, I'm not putting that back in. We can't get it clean. So he put it back in, and then it shifted one, two, and then it'd go into high gear, and then it tried to slip back out. And he says, Dad, we can't get it to hold high gear. And he says, you want to rebuild this thing? I said, no, I want that. You just fix it. I'll come and get it. I'll drive it in second gear all the way to the house if I have to. I've got a plan. And uh, I'm thinking, okay, it shifted through all gears before I took it in, all right? they All they did was pull it apart and reseal it and replace that one one uh, module. And I said, okay. And he says, hey, we cleaned it out the best we could possibly clean it out without pulling it completely apart. And I said, okay, that's that's perfect. That's a good test for me. So I picked up the vehicle. I drove it over. I picked up a can of Lucas Transmission Shift Repair, and it says on the bottle of the fluid that you poured in the transmission, do not mix any additives with this. I said, fine, it's not doing its job. Let's see if I can help it out a little bit. I put that about eight ounces of uh, Lucas stuff in there, and it cured it within a mile. It is still, I drove it all day yesterday in Tucson just to check to see if I could... Uh, check out the air conditioning, make sure I wasn't going to have any heating problems or anything like that on the engine. And it run perfect there. And the transmission shifted absolutely perfect. All three gears goes through. And they said, well, what do you think happened? I said, probably a piece of sludge or something that broke loose on the inside and we couldn't get out that y'all were telling me about. All I did was just finish the job and cleaned it up to pick it up. Do I expect you guys to do it for a customer down here? No, not unless you can put a can of our flush in it or BG chemical in it and do it there at the shop and make sure that you've got it running right before you release it because they're not like me. I use it as a test vehicle. I don't want my clients testing their vehicles out there on a product that don't work. And uh, I'm very pleased with the way that went in. But I transmission fluid and transmission leaks. What's your opinion on leaks on cars? Well, again, I tell people all the time, I mean, we're all trying to take care of the environment. My gosh, what do you think all that oil is going? What do you think that antifreeze that drips a couple of drops every time when you're sitting at an intersection? Where do you think that stuff goes? It's it going to go on the ground, out, and then when we get rain, it washes it yep. on into the gutter and into the water system. 
Well, yeah. And yep. as I tell customers, we're, we're helping the environment. You need to keep those things sealed up. You really do. I know people like, oh, it doesn't make a difference. Well, yeah, it does. It really does. If we're all talking about keeping a good environment, getting these powered cars and battery hybrids and stuff, well, they still need to be maintained. And I, we're talking about the tranny flush, if I'll go back a little bit on that, the tranny exchanges. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm telling you, I've never had one that has gone bad. If it's already gone bad, changing the fluids can buy some time. We've done that for some customers. Um, where mm-hmm. we know something's not right in the tranny, uh, you pull out the drain plug. It's got a lot of metal on the uh, on the drain plug. On a lot of the vehicles yep. that we're working on, they'll have a magnet on the end, or you drop a pan and go, "Wow, it's in bad shape." We have done mm-hmm. fluid exchanges to try to get it down the road for a little bit before they can save up money, or maybe get rid of the vehicle before they have to go ahead and spend all the money on transmission repair. But like you said. The newer fluids that are coming out, BG, Lucas, and stuff, they do so much inside that little can. We always used to say it's the lightning in the can. It's so true because we've done it before where it does help clean out all the varnishes and the sludge and certain little tiny areas that you can't get out unless you disassemble and clean it out yourself. And Mm -hmm. it fluffs up the seals. It literally expands the seals a little bit and helps, I think, on that bottle that you poured in there. It does help soften up the seals and make them more pliable because of all the heat that we've had. And you can slow them down and sometimes repair the actual leak. But I, told I did that. Sometimes you can't, you can't make up the difference if the seal is damaged so bad. It's like a transmission. If it's bad, it's bad internally. No matter what you do with the fluid, it'll never fix it. But can we get a little right. bit more life out of it? Sure. It'll do better with clean than it will do better than dark. Uh, like you said, it's thicker. And all the processes of inside that oil have gone away. They've, all the good stuff that's supposed to be doing its job has gone away when they turn black. And motor oil, power steering fluid, transmission fluid, even brake fluid, when it starts to turn that really dark, darkish yellow, yep. um, you're, you know, that's, you know, it has moisture in it, it has dirt contact in it. That's what starts ruining all that kind of stuff inside the vehicles because it's not doing its job. So, again, like I said, I still believe, and I've showed customers over the years, if you do those services, it will save you thousands of dollars if you plan on keeping the vehicle. If you don't, a- like ASA. You said, what you sh- should have ordered that fluid from the factory dark, you know, um, because right. obviously uh, you don't do that. But. We're we're being a, a, putting a point out there is it is makes a big huge difference about how the fluids need to be done. It's actually common sense. It's just common sense. Uh, you know, I see people that pull the dipstick out on the transmission fluid, and the transmission fluid's brown. And I say, if you want to see what color transmission fluid's supposed to be, come by the shop. We'll open a bottle and show you. Uh, but you can't. You know if. ASA, about probably 15 years ago, this was 15 years ago, they did a 10-year study. And they said, if you change your fluids on your cars, just on a regular service and change your fluids and a vehicle, you'll save and do a little bit of preventive maintenance, you'll save 40 to 50% on the repairs of that vehicle in the period of time that you actually own it. 
40 to 50 percent, because you won't have those major repairs where the engine pukes or the transmission pukes or the differential pukes. Differentials anymore, people, on especially these pickups that the construction guys are running around in. Of course, they don't overload them. Is that right, Mike? <laughs> of course <And> not. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can tell them, hey, you know, we pulled a plumber's truck in there one time and the rear tires are half flat. And thought, oh, they need air in the rear tires. No, they didn't. They need to look. They need to drop a couple of thousand pounds out of that half-ton bed on that truck and uh, see if they can't uh, get the tires back up to where they run like they're supposed to. And it also helps on the braking system because you got to stop that load. And they're designed for a half-ton. They're not designed for a 450 or a, a, yes. a, a two-ton or, you know, a, a 6500 series. And... But they just, uh, you know, education, and that's what we've been doing on this show for about 35, 33, 34 years now, and trying to keep everybody up on why. If you have a pickup that you run to the grocery store and back, like the F-150 that I have, and then you tow a fifth wheel with it, weighs 13,000, well, 12,000 pounds with it, it'll, it'll tow it, tow it well, actually. Of course, we modified a little bit of suspension components on it because I didn't like the way it rode, and neither did my wife. And um, but if you use an F-150 in construction, this is a new thing. It's out on the uh, 150s, especially the ones that's got the twin turbos. Twin turbos means you've got two shop backs setting up front pumping air instead of one. And if you run across <laughs> dirt all time, all day long, that oil needs to be changed at three thousand miles not ten thousand if you're going to use it to go to a grocery store and you say okay i'm going to run it for ten thousand i have the only vehicle i've ever run for twelve thousand miles without an oil change i was using amsoil 12 months twenty five thousand mile oil which is expensive and i run it in my wife's v10 99 ford we run it twelve thousand four hundred miles i think it was and said, well, maybe we need to change this. We're not going to tell her how many miles we got on it because she'll probably kill me. And we drained the oil out in a test tube, sent it to Arizona Laboratories up in Phoenix. That thing come back and gives you what's still left in the engine oil. Now, this is, this is above and beyond what you normally buy to put in a vehicle. And it says, uh, okay, for continual use, recheck in 6,000 miles. Okay, uh, so you take 12 and add 6, you're up at 18,000 miles. Well, needless to say, we said, okay, I think it, we done. She might come in and check the service records on this or something like that, and I'll still be in trouble. She don't care what that laboratory says. So we changed the oil in it and went back to the same stuff that I had in it, and I'm thinking, okay, that way if she forgets to bring it in or we forget to pull it in and have the oil service, we still got a whole lot of cheating room on this thing. And that's why I love synthetic oils. You know, you get synthetic oil, people say, yeah, I, I, I'd run synthetic in my uh, uh, 5.4, I think it was, 5.4 Ford Triton engine, and I change it every 3,000 miles, and I've got over 300,000 miles on this vehicle. He changes the oil at 3,000 miles. He has a transmission done at 15,000. And that truck yep. is still running. You, I mean, you crawl in it and go any place you want to. But that's well, why changing the fluids is so daggone critical. 
another thing on the let's go back to the lifetime antifreeze they've got in these vehicles. Do people actually understand that once you pull or open a radiator up, that lifetime warranty on that antifreeze goes to two year, twenty four thousand miles on the change? I don't think so, but it's written down. If you open that and compromise, they call it compromise, the cooling system, since it's a closed circuit, if you if you compromise that, you have to go to two-year, 24,000 miles. So if you drive a vehicle for three-year, 36,000, or three-year, 40,000, say, okay, well, it looks like a, uh, it looks like the antifreeze is getting a little bad. We have test strips we can put in there and check the stuff, so does everybody else. But... Once you compromise or you change the hoses on that and you change and put new fluids in it, now you go to your 24,000 miles because it's no longer considered a sealed closed unit. And I don't think people know that. You know, they they go out uh, on some of your older cars that still have a radiator cap up top. Uh, they'll take a, they'll say, oh, I need to check my fluid to see if it's uh, full because the, the overflow bottle is empty. So then they open the cap on the radiator, and when they open that cap on the radiator, do you bother to check the seal on the cap to make sure the cap is sealing and not pulling oxygen and air into the system? Uh, probably not. You, you, nobody ever told you to, or nobody ever said you had to. But you right. And then you change that stuff, but if you've got a leak and you have a low bottle you have a leak. If you've got a low recovery bottle, you've got a leak someplace, and you need to pressurize that system and find that leak because it won't go away. And people say, well, I see a little track coming out of the bottom. It looks like something on the front of the engine. Well, so probably the water pump and the packing around the shaft. And they say, well, it's got a little bit of a leak. And I'm going, okay, then you drive it a little bit of the roads. You drive it a little bit in town. You don't take extended runs because you go extended runs, that water circulating, it's going to heat up, it's going to heat up everything, and it's going to start pumping out while you're running extended runs. And, you know, that to me is another common sense thing. Leaks don't normally cure themselves unless you're putting something in like I put in my 06 diesel. I put a can of that transmission sealer in it because it had a front seal leaking. And I said, okay, I'm going to try some of this miracle cure since it's my truck. And if I want to blow the transmission up, it's my expense, not my consumer's. I'm going to try this and see if it'll seal that leak. I put that stuff in, and to my surprise, it stopped that leak. It stopped that leak for a year. When I sold it, it still wasn't leaking. So this stuff, that, you get, that just means that I had no torn seal which if it's if the seal is torn or ripped or it's got a crack in the seal itself, uh, I haven't seen any transmission uh, mechanic in a bottle that's going to fix that. You're going to have to replace it. But I'm thinking, uh-uh, I, I maintain this vehicle too well. I shouldn't be having a seal, even though I do run everything. As Mike used to say, my uh, co-host years ago, he said, I think Jerry's run everything in his diesel but mayonnaise. And I have. <laughs> I've run everything that you can put in a diesel to see if it'll work. Uh, one time I screwed up. I put some stuff in it that was $55 a quart. And I thought, well, let me try this and see what it does. Well, I found out. It eats the seal out around the cam. 
for the, those of you that are familiar with the 5.9 diesel, uh, it has two camshafts at it. It has one at the cam is complete, including the pulley up front. You have to pull the pulley out, the whole camshaft out. It's a seven and a half hour job to replace a $6 seal in the front. I thought, well, I don't think I'm going to do that again. When I pulled it out, the seal was eaten up. It looked like it had a bunch of little pack rats in there eating the seal up. And so I pulled that out, fixed it. We flushed everything out of the oil system (laughs) and put the regular uh, synthetic oil back in there, and then I had no more problems with it at all. But that just lets you know that I test a lot of stuff on my vehicles to see if it'll work for my consumer. Everything that I have in that business over there that has a can that's in a can, I have already tested it. I have already run it more than one time, more than probably about ten thousand miles, just to see, make sure that it's good. If it holds for me, it should hold for the consumer, so we feel very comfortable with it. BG Chemicals that Mike is talking about is probably the best that I have run across on the market as far as transmission flushes, power steering flushes. All the stuff that you need to do to keep that vehicle running, it is good stuff. When you do, we flush your transmission, we do a power flush, we change all the fluid instead of solution by dilution that Mike alluded to earlier in the show about, okay, well, you just drop the pan, uh, you drain that four, four and a half quarts out of the pan, you replace the filter on the, the pump, and then you button it back up and put four quarts in it, you're good to go. No. That is like topping off a master cylinder on the brake system. I talked to the guy that makes that stuff out of Charlotte, North Carolina, at a SEMA show. I talked to him for about an hour. And he told me, he says, the second you pour the new brake fluid in the top of that master cylinder, it is more contaminated than the fluid in there because it's concentrated. It's designed to take impurities out and hold it. And it's already, by the time you drive it and run it through a cycle to flush it if you have to flush it or bleed it out, uh, it's already more contaminated than what you had in there. It does nothing but fill up the thing, fill up the master cylinder. And so keep that in mind that that you top off, let's say you got a power steering. You top it off. Well, why is the power steering leaking? Is it because the fluid in it's not doing its job? You know, there is so much involved in this stuff. And as Mike said, when you go by and rack in pinions, uh, Merle did come up with a line of new, not rebuilt, but new rack and pinions at Merle's. And you go to Merle'sAuto.com, and you can pick up uh, the store closest to you in Tucson, Arizona. They've got 10 of them in Tucson. And you can uh, get the... Uh, information that you need but (coughs) power steering brakes uh coolant especially especially on big diesels uh that stuff has to be changed you don't have to you don't have to do anything but die and pay taxes so let me clarify that all you have to do is die and pay taxes i will tell you one thing you better have a good job if you're not going to do the flushing on these automobiles and do the preventive maintenance that's recommended and do it under severe duty, they have an extreme severe duty category. That's for construction vehicles. Whole different ball game. Whole different ball game. 
Those guys run them overloaded. I know it. Mike knows it. Brian knows it. And But still, if you go out to a job and you're working and that thing's making a living and you have a plumbing truck and you need a a, a $3 piece of plastic or something like that, then you got to stop everything. That's the only vehicle you have on site. You've got to load, close it back up, and hopefully you got it where you can close it up within about 15 minutes. And then you've got to go to a parts house, go down to Merrill's and, or someplace in, or, or one of the big box stores and get your piece of plastic and come back. That is money. That is a lot of money that this guy's a le- losing while that thing is down. So I understand why they take everything, including the kitchen sink in them. However, the construction guys and your commercial guys out there running, we're just trying to save you a bunch of heartache, a bunch of cash. You put that thing on a regular maintenance program, like Mike, he got four four dealers, or commercial guys that he works on their vehicles. That thing needs to be on a regular maintenance program in order to keep that vehicle serviceable and making money for you out there. And also it keeps your clients a lot happy when you don't have to stop in the middle of a job and go get a $3 part. So I understand exactly. all of that. Yeah, it it does, and our fleet services, that's some of the biggest concerns is that they're part of their tool. That's just as important as the wrench, the pipe wrench, or the painters that we have or the other excavators that we have. There are so many of those guys, depending on that that pickup truck or that van, to do their job. Like I said, it's part of their tool. They're part of their equipment. And when they're down, that means they're not showing up on site on time or with the vehicle that's over at the shop getting repaired for the third time that week because they haven't done it. So you're more more so on the services, scheduled maintenances, checking it out to make sure that you don't see something that, oh, my gosh, we better hurry and take care of this before it turns into it, – it's not getting – it's not leaving the shop. It's not leaving the site because it's got such a big leak or something broke. Now it doesn't move. So – those are more concerns on the fleet services, but I was telling the guys the other day at the shop, you know, I mean, think one of the, the systems on people's cars, especially when you've got a, like a seven or eight year old car, the least, because I think a lot of people don't, I don't know if they just don't want to deal with it. And I've seen this with shops, you know, good shops that they don't mess with the cooling systems. If you don't take care of the cooling system properly, including the coolant itself, and the, and the inspection of the hoses and the and the all the fans and the relays are making all that stuff work. If it's not working properly, just think about where that radiator sits. It sits right up against the condenser for the AC system. Usually, they're integrated with the transmission fluid for the cooler, and sometimes they even have a power steering cooler right by the radiator. So now, right. if you're taxing that cooling system, what do you think you've done to the rest of the vehicle? You've got the transmission working in a hyperdrive because that radiator is working 100 degrees hotter than it should be. So now it's mm-hmm. overloading the temperature of the fluid inside the transmission, your power steering, and the AC system. Uh, I, yeah, I can't believe the AC must be needing to be charged because it just doesn't. You get in the car and the temp gauge is seven eighths up to deal. It's like, do you not know mm-hmm. it's overheating? Yeah, we kind of saw the needle high, but. The AC isn't working right. Well, that's the reason. You, you know, the radiator's right next to the condenser, and so now you got the condenser heat so high, 
Beijing system isn't working properly, which actually right. ends up um, deteriorating the, com- the compressor and the oils inside the compressor, and that's why you have so many compressor damages. Um, there's the two that's things. Right. It's overheating and not proper cooling for the condenser and or lack yep. of oil that needs to be report- inserted in the, in the cooling system, the AC cooling system. So those are the two main factors that really hurt compressors. Um, is because of that. And like I said, you have to pay more attention to what's going on, exactly what you were saying. How many people take off the radiator cap, pull it up, they look down to see the level, put the cap down, and never look at the ceiling on the backside of the cap? <laughs> it's, just, it's amazing. Right. Um, so, like I said, it's all part of that, especially when you're bringing it into to, uh, Simmons, Park Automotive, um, uh, Brian Fuller's place. Uh, you, you know, you... You you have to do the customer a satisfaction by inspecting and do it the right way, and and, and give them a, a basically a good picture of what is going on. And I still say today, if, if you do prevent and maintenance, um, you won't be able to be, have to be doing the big jobs all the time. The stuff like you start adding up, like oh my gosh, we're paying so much money for this car, it's time to get rid of it. In most cases, that would have saved you exactly like you said in the survey. Um, that study that was done by ASA, um, you know, 50%, 60% of all your expenses are done with repairs. Yeah, you should probably get rid of the vehicle, but chances are there was a lack of services that need to be done to the vehicle. Um, That's we tell customers all the time, please look up on the manual. We're not doing this because we're coming up with this figure. The company that actually built your vehicle is telling you to do that at thirty thousand, to do it at forty-five, to do it at ninety thousand. Um, that's how we get those numbers. You know how the industry, our industry, is being basically told by what the manufacturer's recommendations. We right. look at other stuff, like you said, testing stuff on our own personal vehicles to find out does that product work before I bring it to marketplace. I don't want to be putting something in my vehicle and going. Oh my gosh, it's terrible! And I just got done doing fifty of our customers the last three or four months with the same stuff. No, we do it all the time, including our technicians. <laughs> I want my technicians to use the same stuff because I, my technicians are using it, um, and they feel like confident it does help their vehicle. I've got some guys that got their off-road, you know, um, jeeps where they're climbing up the side of the rocks and stuff and trail riding around sure. um, the north part of the country and over here in uh, Reddington Pass, they're maxing those systems out. So they know right yes, away if it's worked or hasn't worked. And so we need that feedback. And that's kind of what we do. If the, if, the, if you're doing it right, like you said, it just makes sense. Um, if well, it, you're going in – go ahead, Jerry. Everybody, everybody – that buys a vehicle is looking for a reliable, safe vehicle. And so that's what we concentrate on. That's what Mike Parker, Parker Automotive, concentrates on. And that's what Brian Fuller does. We're in the customer service industry for automotive. We don't just fix cars. We're in the customer service. You've got to fix it so it stays fixed. You've got to back your work regardless and then everybody can feel a little more comfortable. That's the reason I scream and holler every year. Right now, it's time to go on vacations. People have busted their butt all year long. Uh, they've been a little extra strain with the COVID-19, 
And so you're looking forward to getting out and going on a vacation this year. And according to my research, more people are going to be driving than ever this summer going on vacation. And so get your vehicle in and get it about two weeks prior to your vacation. Then if something's bad on it, if hey, if it's that bad and it's going to be that expensive, we'll recommend you just rent a car. Worry about that vehicle that you're sitting in your garage when you get back to Tucson. But take your vacation because when you get back, everything, you'll be rested. Everything has a different appearance. And then you can work on a little bit at a time on these cars because we have the knowledge to tell you what's going to get get you stopped on the side of the road so Frontier Towing has to come and get you. Or what's going to service you? You know, if you all you do on a daily basis is run down to the corner store and go back to the house, okay, that's that's one thing. That vehicle will probably do that, even with a broken motor mount. It'll run down there and back. It's not what I recommend because it torques everything else up, but it will do it, and it's not that critical. Now, if you go from here to San Diego, that broken motor mount, now we might just have a little bit of problem because you're constantly accelerating, and everything inside the engine compartment is twisting to the right or twisting to the front, wherever. And so that needs to be taken care of. Now, back to the 150 the with the twin turbos. Every bit of the research I've been able to do this, that if you want a, uh, a 3.5 liter, 3. Point, or 2.0 uh, EcoBoost, to run and last, you need to change your oil at 5,000 miles. Now, my 17 is still under lifetime warranty, I mean lifetime service, which is change your oil. And they change your oil at 10,000 miles because that's what the manufacturer says you're supposed to do, 10,000 miles on that. Every bit of the research, I say, you'll be lucky if you get 100,000 miles, depending on your driving habits, the environment, and how often you service that vehicle. My 150 goes to the shop for 5,000 miles. It goes back to Ford for 10,000 miles. All change. So Ford does their thing at 10,000. We do ours at five. And so far, it's been running real good. The other thing that the uh, Echo Boost is notorious for is building carbon on them. That whether it be the 2.0 or the 3.5, you've got a carbon issue there, people. You don't know it because you can't see it. Trust me, you've got a carbon issue. We took my 2017 down, and I think it had less than 3,000 miles on it. We had a manufacturer come in, and we used that truck as the guinea pig. They went inside the cylinders with a bore scope and had a big monitor on the outside was able to capture it and do a steel shot on the um, – build up on the inside, the back of the valves, and then we did the motor vac on it. We did the, as my brother calls it, blowed its nose going into the intake and serviced that vehicle. Then we went back in with the bore scope, and we did another caption to see how it did. That was only about a little less than 3,000 miles on it. Couldn't believe the two difference in those pictures. And cameras don't lie. They have no reason to. Uh, and we were there. There were three people watching this operation as it went through. And sure enough, it did have a carbon. Now, all the reading and stuff that I've done and research on YouTube, and they'll have these vehicles. They set them up. They go through them, and they show you. That's the reason you change your transmission fluid. 
That's the reason you do the oil changes on a regular basis. And you've got to service those two turbos up front. And the other thing people need to do is remember, you've got two turbos sitting up front. When a turbo goes out on it, Mike, am I right or wrong? That's a one expensive little toy. Yes, it is. As a matter of fact, I've got a grandson that had one. Um, both the turbos went bye-bye on it. He had bought it used. Oh. Um, it looked pretty good shape. Had everything checked. Bought it. About eight months later, he's like, hey, uh, hey, uh, doctor, can I take a, have you take a look at this thing? I think we're having some problems on it. Well, sure enough, both turbos are bad. He went back to the dealer he bought it from, and they worked out a deal and didn't really buy it back, like giving his money back, but they worked him out a good deal, and he bought a really brand-new Ford um, SUV. So, but wow. that was the main factor. It, it kind of killed him because he really wanted to do some hauling stuff and whatnot and couldn't mm-hmm. afford to go buy a brand-new pickup in order yeah. to replace the, that one there. And I told him, if you go buy another used one with a twin turbo, if somebody hasn't been taking good care of the oil, I'm telling you, you're going to be right back to the same thing again. And I believe we put the numbers together. I I think it was around $4,000 to do both turbos, the parts and labor, Mm -hmm. you know, buying brand new parts. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Um, And and you're right. They're awesome. Um, Fuel fuel injection and induction systems. Um, I'll tell you, with these new vehicles with the direct injectors, great, made great horsepower, awesome for – fuel economy and emissions, but they do have their downfalls, and some of it is exactly what you said. They tend to carbon up quite a bit, especially because of all what's going on with car, uh, COVID, and everybody just short-running them. I'm talking about, like, the everybody going to the grocery store, um, going up to, uh, you know, to the doctor's appointment or going, uh, you know, to uh, um, up to uh, go uh, see the scenery or go, or go to hopefully maybe a church. Uh, they're not putting a whole mm-hmm. lot of miles on those things. And those little short trips, most of the cars aren't getting up to the operating temperature, and you're really not getting on the old freeway, like you said, going to Grandma's house or going on vacations. All that's going to start happening. So I told everybody, we're going to start. I think we're going to see a big influx about some drivability issues, battery mm-hmm. issues, and leaking issues because everybody's car's been sitting for so long. The majority have been yep. you know, working out of their house doing your, your Zoom meetings and doing online uh, presentations and working on your own computers through your for your bosses. I think we're going to see a lot of those in the next six to nine months, uh, a lot of that going on because of all of the basically re, uh, residual from COVID um, that we're going to, especially in some of the older vehicles, because they can't recover the battery. The battery's sitting there for so long. You finally drain it out. You can't put it back in. i got to tell somebody, a battery's kind of like cellophane, nice and tight over a bowl. You put your finger in it, it never goes back to the exact same um, figure or it doesn't have the same tautness to it. Well, battery's the same way. What you've taken out, you can't always put it 100% back in. So they do have a life cycle on them. So that's another thing that we do at all three of our places. That during our inspections for a simple oil filter change to major services or even even a repair, um, we check all that stuff out because I don't want you down the road, Jerry doesn't want you down the road, and Brian doesn't want you going down the road two days later and calling up, my battery took a, you know, 90% right. of those can be caught right at the shop before they go bad on you. And now you got to tow, you got to call AAA to come and get it. That's the kind of stuff that we're trying to prevent. Um, so you 
don't have to worry about it. There's other things going on in your lives that you don't have to worry about the car to family, getting the groceries, keeping your jobs, um, you know, um, you know, getting vaccinations, all the other stuff that's going on, all the other stuff that's going on social media. And now you got to deal with your car. That's what you come to places like ours to get rid of all those complaints, all those concerns. Yep. People want to take care of your vehicles. You know, I have uh, uh, people on occasion that will call and say, okay, Jerry, I've got a classic car that sits in the garage out here. Uh, maybe I'll take it over to a cruise in. Uh, maybe I'll take it to a car show, but that's only like once a year. Uh, what do I need to do to it? And I said, put a can of gasoline treatment in it so that it won't turn to lacquer while it's sitting there. And they just start laughing. I said, no, I'm dead serious. You know, you take a lawnmower, you use it during just to mow the yard, and then you put it up and you don't drain the gas out of it. You get ready to start that son of a gun, it don't want to run. Same way with the boats. So treat this car that you're not going to run over a 12-month period Treat it, put a can of Stabil or something like that in the gas tank. My Mustang, I keep Stabil in that son of a gun because I don't know when I'm going to go out and drive it. But yesterday when I drove it all day long, it run perfect. The other thing is the um, um, the hybrid cars. I had a call. A guy just bought a brand-new hybrid. And he says, okay, said so now you know this has got a gasoline motor and it's got electric. I said, yeah, I'm familiar with them. And uh, he says, now, uh, how often do I need to change the oil in that gasoline motor on that hybrid? And I said, you just you just answered your own question. It's a gasoline motor. You change your oil on a regular basis. I don't care if it only runs three seconds a day or whatever it does to fire up the car or pull away from a stop sign. You still got a gasoline motor in there. It needs to be regular maintenance on that gasoline motor. As far as electric, you're good to go, but you've got to service that hybrid gasoline motor. And if you're not going to be running that much fuel through it, I also recommend that you put a can of stabilizer in the uh, gas because he said, well, you know, I went to L.A. and back and uh, or San Francisco and back and I got, uh, oh, my gosh, I only had to fill up twice with gasoline. I said, that's good, you know, because that's that's how well that car runs out, well it performs. And now, uh, with the uh, electric cars, I'm getting calls. Says, what have I got to do to electric cars? I did a buttload of research on electric cars because I think that Mustang that's got that 500 foot-pounds of torque and stuff is pretty cool. <laughs> but um, on the electric, there's not much to do to them until the brakes start wearing out. Uh, and that's, you know, you, there is no oil change on it. Uh, the battery, you know, uh, there's the batteries last longer than they used to because technology has come a long way. You can now replace the cell, an individual cell, in one of these big battery packs that goes on these electric vehicles. Uh, so there's really not a whole lot to do on that thing. Got a lot of pluses for the electric car. However, the hybrid still has a gas motor up front. You cannot ignore that gas motor up front. You say, well, it just runs so good. Yeah, and it uses very little gas. Yep. And what happens when you go on vacation? Uh, what happens when you get out across country and all of a sudden, because you didn't check the hybrid, you start having a problem with the gasoline motor. Now you got to find a shop that's not afraid to go in and work on a hybrid car. And so there's a lot of stuff to it. If you're considering a hybrid, 
Are you considering a um, uh, whatever you electric or hybrid? But I have a buddy that she has had. She's in the sixth generation of Prius. She changes her oil in that motor every five thousand miles. She don't care if it's run. She don't care how long it's been running. Five thousand miles, the oil gets serviced in that little Prius. That's the reason she's on number six. It wasn't that the Prius calls started breaking down. She just didn't. After a couple of years, she wanted a new one, so she went down and bought a new one. Put it on the same maintenance. Same thing, that dadgone car just runs and runs and runs and runs. She don't have any problems whatsoever with that. And she said, but if you don't change it, well, I'm not never not going to change it, so I don't really have to worry about it. If people, She actually told me in a business club, she said, you can tell the people on the radio, if you'll change the oil in your hybrid motor, the gasoline motor, every 5,000 miles, you don't have to worry about it. It, the thing will just continually run. Now, the other thing that goes with that uh, gasoline motor, you've got a air filter hiding in there on that little uh, four-banger that you've got in there, the gas motor. That air filter has to be changed. And people say, well, how often do I need to change the air filter? I've seen it written once a year. Okay, welcome to Arizona. There was wind <laughs> coming across my place yesterday that was enough to move my diesel around while it was parked. When you've got wind that strong, there's two things it's going to do. One, when you fire that diesel up, it's going to suck the stuff that's laid inside the intake, uh, inside the pickup tube, and through the turbo, and through the uh, and through the air filters. And yes, it will plug it up premature. If you wait to change it 12 months, I don't have enough nerve to wait 12 months to change an air filter in Tucson, Arizona. It's too critical. It's absolutely too critical. And so that is another little thing that you need to do. And the other thing, uh, I had it right right in my – I must. I need another cup of coffee, I think. But uh, we're, we're getting close to the end. What do you want to add to that, Mike? Well, I think you're right, Jerry. I think a lot of uh, – we have a lot of hybrid customers – most of them are on the 5,000-mile oil changes with a really good synthetic. And pretty much oh, yeah. draining it, it's, it is, it, they are dirty, and they run a little bit more than people think, and they've gotten so good at switching back and forth and gotten so smooth over the years, uh, especially the Priuses, that sometimes I don't think people even know that that motor seems to be running. They all think it's off running off the battery. Um, right. I bought a Prius from a customer and needed a battery pack. They didn't want to spend any money. The husband and wife were getting old enough. They got in the retirement community. They didn't need transportation. So we bought it and we replaced the battery, the hybrid battery. One of the things I did notice that we we're talking about that there are two cooling systems on that, the Priuses. There's one for the converter, diverter for the hybrid, and there's one separate for your um, engine, your gasoline engine. And I think we don't do it as an industry, pay attention enough to change those fluids out where some of these Priuses are getting 120, 130,000 miles on it, never have had a coolant change. So now we've delved into where we've tested that to verify if the fluid is good because of the exact same problem. We've changed a couple water pumps for the hybrid part uh, where the, the chase start leaking or locking up. Um, mm-hmm. that's another thing. Like I said, there, there, no, there's no such thing as a, I don't have to do a thing, but just put a little bit of gas in. Those 
those days aren't there yet. You know, like you said, the total electric car, yes. I know several shops in California that we all belong to the same association. They don't do a whole lot of work. I get it. Um, the only downfalls are is you're not going to be driving to Grandma's house if she lives in Dallas, Texas, without stopping off for a six-hour charge somewhere. Um, right. but, it, but there are some benefits. The benefits are, yes, you don't have all right. the oil filter changes, the air filter changes. Um, there are some of the negative things. I found out the other day about, like, Tesla. Unless you're a Tesla's dealer, that car's not going to get worked on. Um, you might be able to change out a tire. You might be able to do, like, wiper blades, that kind of stuff, headlights. But when it comes down to actually working on the vehicle itself, they will not give you their that information. Their priority is right. it's their vehicle. They basically still own it even though you bought it because they can do all the updates um, over their Ethernet, so to speak. I call it the web. But uh, they can do updates to your vehicle without you actually even knowing it. Even at night, they can fire up your vehicle and say, hey, let's update this because we found out it's doing this wrong or doing that wrong. There are some advantages of like stuff like that. We don't have to bring into a dealership or repair shop. Um, but All right. Well, until they bring those batteries ahead, it's going to be very difficult to to say everybody's going to be able to drive one because everybody's got yeah. so many different uses for them. Okay. Well, I didn't realize how fast this hour is going. I've got to get in a couple of ads. LensAutoBrokerage.com. LensAutoBrokerage.com. 2101 North Stone Avenue, 628-7500. Go to the website, LensAutoBrokerage.com. Easy to navigate, and they have all of their vehicles posted online. You can let your fingers do the walking. You can find out what you want to see. Then you can drive into 2101 North Stone if you want to. And kick a tire. They are open today from 8 to 4 or when the last customer leaves. They don't run you off. They'll make a brand-new pot of coffee at 4 o'clock and say, help yourself. Um, automotive specialists have been talking about Brian. And I said the first hour, Brian lost his mom and his dad 30 days exactly from each other. And uh, so he's got his hands full. He's going to be off the show for a while. And he says, pass it on to the uh, customers or our listeners and tell them that uh, thanks for all the condolences and stuff that he's been receiving over to shop. Uh, he is still there. Uh, and Brian's phone number over there is uh, 572-1734. His cell number is 237-3852. And from the Mr. First, test first, don't guess. If you don't know how to change a battery in these late model vehicles, you may want to just take it into your favorite shop and have it done. Because the one that I alluded to, the first part of the show, the first hour, was a, a neighbor changed a guy's battery in a early model, uh, where is it? Right here. In an early model, uh, it's early model to compared to what's out now. 2011 Ford Explorer. They changed the battery. The end results it, it's, it can potentially cost about $4,000 to correct the system because they had a spike in the system somewhere or another, and it took out a bunch of electronic modules and stuff like that. Whole page full of electronic codes and stuff set on this job. So that's compliments of Mr. Test First, Don't Guess, for the do-it-yourselfer. FYI, if you don't know what you're doing when you get in these late models with the batteries, don't do it. Take it to a shop. Have them do it. They've got all the equipment to keep a memory alive. 
while they're actually processing this thing. Plus, they probably did a few of them, and they know what to do without taking out your system. In fact, I would bet money on that. So, uh, but the uh, test test first, don't guess, and then uh, Lens Auto Brokerage, uh, Brian Fuller's cell number. I want to give you a cell number, too. 237-3852, 237-3852. Uh, hopefully, Brian will be back in, uh, uh, be caught up enough to where I can bring him on in probably three weeks, maybe four weeks or something like that. But until then, maybe we can work uh, Mr. Mike Parker, who's done a brilliant job today. Thank you, Mike. And well, it, You're welcome. It's, it, and your address again is 5101 East Speedway. It's Parker Automotive Service Center. And the phone number there, you can talk to Ryan or you can talk to, I had it with my cheat. Here, here's my cheat sheet. You can talk to Ryan or Scott at 323-1960. Oh, what's your, what's your hours of operation? Monday, Monday through Friday, we're open at seven thirty in the morning till five thirty. On Friday, we close at five o'clock. Okay. All right. So repeat that again. We're open on Monday through Friday. We're open at seven thirty in the morning till five thirty, and on Friday, we all get to go home a little early at five o'clock. Good for you. Good for you. I understand you got a race to go to after the show today. Where are you going? We're going to go to Casa Grande uh, Racetrack and run a sprint car. We got a young man that drives it. Uh, my youngest son, real, real interested in dirt track racing, so we're going to go do some sprint car racing. All right, buddy. Mike, thank you for being on today. Hopefully, we can do this again real soon, maybe even next week. And uh, we will go through some more uh, information for the consumer. Everything we put out today is based on a heck of a combination of years of experience in the automotive industry. Um, and to Brian and his family again, our condolences.